Welcome, welcome to the Bro CR Supercast. Basically, a super cool podcast. See what we did there? <laughs> we discuss all things obstacle course racing, culture, and community that embodies it. From performing athletes, flashy new gear, and secret guacamole recipes. Yummy. We've got you covered, bro. Do you have questions? We want to find answers. Want to talk about running in the mud and your next big adventure? Cool. So do we. Now let's lace up those trail kicks and jump in the corral. The Supercast. The Supercast starts now. And welcome to a very special Memorial Day Supercast. Hello, hello. It is Memorial Day. What do you say? Like, I don't think you're supposed to say Happy Memorial Day because it's not a happy day. It, I it's know. a. I don't know. Like, I'm enjoying my day. Happy Murph Day. It's Murph Day. It's been a great day here. Leah's had a race. Um, it's like an odd time for us to be recording because traditionally we record like Monday evenings. Yep. Yep. And we're not today. We're it's this morning. Um, yeah, we got to get a Memorial Day on this afternoon. So exactly, where are you we're grilling out at? <laughs> uh, friend's house. Friend's house. We're all meeting up some cheer moms and dads. So that's good. Know. We're. I'm gonna do some woodworking, like super patriotic woodworking here in a few, and then working on the house. And then I'm like, I'm doing barbecue here at my place, just chilling out in the woods. But sounds good. But we are here uh, with another episode. What is this? Third. 14, 14, 14, I think. 14. Yeah, I think you're right. Episode 14, also brought to you by Vanga CBD. I like uh, the stuff. Guys, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> we have been talking about it for weeks. If you haven't tried it yet, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Uh, Vanga CBD is the best CBD out there, made by endurance athletes for endurance athletes, specifically targeting issues that we as athletes deal with between recovery and anxiety and just overall, you know, sleep. Inflammation. Mm-hmm. So um, if you haven't checked them out yet, you need to. Um, if you go to www.vangacbd.com slash brocr, you'll get to see our smiling faces. And um, using code brocr will save you 15%. Check it out, guys. Um, you know, we, we like to endorse great products here. Um, some of our followers might have seen my post from this weekend. You know, we've it's really, really a, a pride moment for me. Like when we go into companies with Brociar, certain ones that I really, really can vouch for. In the past, we've done Brave Soldier and um, we've junk brands. We love our junk headbands. Mm-hmm. We live for those things. Um, yeah. um, Vanga. And then I've, I've also been using, um, um, oh, Perform Elite this year. Um, Perform Elite and all the stuff from Endure Elite. Great products there. We're not sponsored by Endure Elite, but if you're listening, Mossman, hey. But um, (laughs) Vanga, it was. You know, the point is, is we we don't like to put our names on things that we personally believe in and and use and will vouch for ourselves. So this is a solid product. It's worth your time. It's worth your money trying. They have products on sale now for Memorial Day. Um, Check again, it out, guys. www.bankacbd.com slash brocr with code brocr for 15% off. I got to share this, though, this little story. So we were talking to the Vanga guys the other day, and they were talking about antiseptic ointment because they're, you know, they're bikers, they're endurance athletes. And he was talking about mm-hmm. this product that he got from a local place, um, a shop that he was at. 
And he's like, yeah, it was this, this brave soldier antiseptic ointment. Oh, mm-hmm. I love this stuff. And he didn't even know that we have worked with them for two yeah. years now. And I, he was like, really? And that's just the quality that these guys look for. They're like, yeah, it was some of the best stuff ever. And it's one of those things that you find something that, that works for that. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah. So good products, good people, knowledgeable. Check it out. But on to this episode. Yes, today we have another episode of the Brocio Roundtable. We have an awesome Woo! guest with us today. Um, his name is Jens Lee. And for those who don't know Jens, he is a PADI dive master and head lifeguard. Um, he is very familiar with water and water safety, obviously. Uh, five times marathon runner and a half Ironman finisher. Um, he's heavily involved in the Tough Mudder community. You know, may know him as an ambassador with Tough Mudder, and he's also going on his 25th race. Um, but most importantly, above all else, he is a ballet master by trade. So I cannot wait. He can twinkle them toes. To, yeah, twinkle <laughs> toes. I cannot wait to hear about that. So welcome to the show, Jens. Good morning, everyone. Good How's it going, morning. bud? Doing fantastic. How's everyone doing today on this sunny day? It's it's a beautiful sunny day here, and we are just pumped. We're excited to talk about safety um, in all <laughs> natures. Um, so one of the things I want to start before we, we, we dive into this is the sport of obstacle course racing itself. We like extreme sports. I feel like we, we're all about just – there was a point in like 2015 where it was like, how crazy can we get this race? Well, how- right. It was how much longer, how high of an obstacle. This is the highest one. This is the longest exactly. crossing. This is the, you know, everybody was looking to top it bigger and better and better. And for those of us who've been in the sport for quite some how time. How close can we ride to the line? We have seen some pretty sketchy things in our time, oh, yeah. I might say. Yeah. And we've always paired it up with the death waiver. Right. That's that's always been, you know, what people say is, you know, they're getting ready to take on these big, bad obstacles. And it's, oh, well, you signed a death waiver. No big deal. But at this what is on point you. do we come down to death waiver versus liability? And that's where we want to talk negligence. about. Right. And negligence. You know, we want to talk about what's what are some of the rules? You know, we all have been to races where it's been cold as crap and we're like, oh my God, it's not safe to get in the water. Or we've been to races where it's been so hot and we're worried about heat exhaustion. So we wanted to bring Jens on to kind of talk about what kind of rules and and guidelines are there and, you know, are they being enforced? Jens, what's the sketchiest obstacle you've ever done? (laughs) The sketchiest obstacle. Yes. The moment um, that you were like, I don't think people should be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just I was just talking to a few people, and you guys know I just did the um, the Phillies toughest mutter. Mm-hmm. Um, I love me some Arctic enema. Uh, yeah. But actually, this year they put in these two uh, tires in the center, and mm-hmm. uh, of course, being uh, uh, um, you know been doing OCR since uh, 2013, I've seen the way that it actually evolved. And uh, this past year, they put the tires in and I heard from many of the volunteers, many of different kind of people that they actually were going through the tires. And that's something you don't want to be doing. No. And and overnight, and it didn't get that cold. It got down to maybe like 57, 56. But of course, on the other side of that Arctic Anima, you know, that is that is a cold tamale. So I was hearing people were trying to go through the tires, and all I can think oh as a medic, goodness. if they get, get stuck. stuck, 
what's going to happen? And they're going to be in that cold water for so long. So when I heard people were actually going through or even trying to go over, I was like, mm -mm, no, no, me, I'll just walk around. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I did Arctic Enema. The, this past weekend was also Tough Mudder in Missouri. And they also did have the tires there with the Arctic Enema. Um, and I was in the, the bin getting ready to do it. And I even thought to myself, surely they're not expecting us to go through these tires. And ended up, you know, I went through the little crack in between the two, and I was still under the water. But I, that thought actually did enter my brain when we were out there. Like, I surely hope people aren't going through it because, I mean, I'm pretty little and I can fit through, but most people not cannot everybody. fit through that. <laughs> so, what's the sketchiest obstacle you've done, Leah? Uh, probably a toss-up between two that that go in my mind. The first one was at a little local race called the Berserker, and they had hay bales. But, like, not bales, like the, I don't know what the right term is, the big rolls of hay that the farm, you know, the big giant uh -huh. wheel-looking things. They're huge. They're, like, I don't know, six, seven foot tall or whatever. And they were wrapped in, like, a like a plastic wrap, and they squirted baby oil. Oh, <laughs> shit you not. Okay. They squirted right. baby oil on these things, so it was just a slippery mess. But... The other one that was, like, the most dangerous to the point where it genuinely scared me was at the Atlas Race, rest in peace, from 2015. There was a wall there that was, like, a, it was, like, a, a ramp wall that went straight. Like, it was, like, a, it was, like, a ramp. And then at the top of the ramp, it went straight up to, like, a, maybe, like, a four-foot vertical. So you went up the ramp, you went up the four foot, and mm -hmm. at that time you were probably about twelve foot off the ground. That's up there. And then down the backside, there were no slats, there was no rope, there was no nothing. It was just you just leap to your doom. You leap to your death. And I that was the first and only race to this time that I was so scared. Like I'm not do I'm four foot ten tall. I'm not gonna jump twelve foot down. So I literally stayed at the top until one of my teammates caught up to me and then got me off of there because i was like i'm not jumping gotcha probably the sketchiest thing i've seen is and is was at the last battle frog race cincinnati. Um, in cincinnati in cincinnati you were there how sketch were the monkey bars oh my god without the water underneath yes there was no water underneath. There was that net, but the net was mm -hmm. so loosey goosey it was just... that when you fell, it didn't absorb your weight. You like plummeted down in this net, and if two people fell at once, it couldn't. There's bear no way we have weight. enough. Exactly. So if people are familiar with MGG Yins, I'm so sorry you never got to experience this oh, venue. Oh, you never did MGG. <laughs> no. Oh, it was, it such awesome a venue. Uh, basically, they had these monkey bars that were probably. I'd say 20 foot in the air. It's almost it came... like, have you done a Savage Race, Jens? Uh, I have not either. Um, well, are no, you familiar with it. their sawtooth? Oh, their yeah. big... So the MGG ops, the monkey is like a reverse sawtooth. Like two, but oh, it's wow. almost like two sawtooths. Like it was like up and down and up and down. Like it was real long and real how many rungs would you say was on that thing uh, it's just down and up but it's it's easily 10 rungs down 10 rungs back up but it was it was sketchy and they made you basically that day nobody could put their feet on the monkey bars because that was yeah, always the big thing because there was no water here. and uh, it was just it was bad it was really bad but that was that was the thing with mandatory obstacle completion you had to do it 
Yeah, I was stuck there was, forever. And Battle Frog was the elite race was two laps, so yep. it wasn't enough to do it and survive. You got to do it line. again. <laughs> you got to do it again. So I was at the monkey bars forever and a day on my first lap, and I finally got it. But then by the time I came through the second time, I'm like, there's no Shot way. Done. So let's talk safety. We talked about some cold water temperatures. Yens, a big thing in the Spartan community this year. We have seen a lot of cold dunk wall stuff. That's what um, I've seen. It, it's not looked pretty. Um, and I, I think some of that is because we pushed the season so early this year. Um, yeah. Now, I've heard things as far as, like, people talk about, like, the wind speed temperature, the air temperature, and then the water temperature. If they all meet this certain criteria, they shut an obstacle down. Are you familiar with that? Yes. So okay. what's the rule? Yeah, what is the rule here? So it basically basically gets down to like a uh, a wind chill factor. Okay. Um, if if the wind actually gets down to a certain degree at a location, depending on the atmosphere, they actually would have to shut it down because there's no way unless you have a seven millimeter wetsuit or actually a dry suit that you would actually be safe to to continue this event. Okay. Now, have you have you worked at races at water obstacles before? Oh, I was at uh, World's Toughest when when Jacob ran it, and it was like, now everybody is going back and forth about how cold it was. I saw the temperature at the med uh, tent, and it was twenty four degrees. Yeah, okay. you're talking about this past year in in eighteen. Uh huh. Yeah, I was there too. It was cold. Yeah, it was, it was cold, really cold. Yeah, I was there um, throughout the whole day as lifeguard and then overnight as um, a rescue diver and um, it was so cold that our hoses were actually freezing oh my gosh so would you say that is a bad scenario (laughs) (laughs) well it is the world's toughest (laughs) but of course um you know you guys were there also how they actually shut down the gauntlet they shut down Mm -hmm. all these other things yeah nobody was actually able to do it and it wasn't a safe um uh, situation to, to be at so of course they they did the same thing and shut those down and just had like um a, a lap to go around or something like that yeah, yeah. i would i have to say i was pretty impressed and i'm pretty proud of tough mutter for making that call because i think a lot of times like you had mentioned jacob we get caught up in this extreme it's got to be the biggest the baddest the toughest you know beast mode thing and at some point, you have to take a step back and be like, okay, this really is not a safe thing. Yeah. Especially in the OCR world when you're wanting to open that up to all walks of life. Exactly. You want it to be, you want it to be able to be done by anyone. It's not like we are trying to go up to the, the top of Mount Everest and we're just letting anyone up there. Right. Uh, this is something that is is a business, and you want this to be open to everyone. Give them a challenge. This is what you got to train for. Even for the mm-hmm. people that don't train, you want it to be safe enough. Exactly. Right. Sure. And that's that's one of the craziest things about this sport, though, is how much weather and temperature can change the entire race. Oh, of course. Well, I mean, um, and that's that's kind of cool about this sport is that. You know, on any given weekend through the months of, say, you know, May through July, you know, you can pretty much find a race in any area of the country. 
Yep. You know, you can be up in Seattle dealing with rain and cold, or you can be down in Atlanta and be sweating your butts off and, you know, everything in between. And, you know, how do you as a racer best prepare for these different climates and these different temperatures? Because a race that happens on this coast versus a race that happens on this coast, the weather is a huge, you know, huge factor. So here's a good question for you again, Jens. Um, speaking of like different geographic locations, so Atlanta, you know, we're not like, Atlanta, you're not Leah there where you're at crazy above sea level there, right? No. You're like maybe 800, maybe max. Yeah, something like that. Um, Jens, how would that like that cold water temperature and the atmospheric temperature look like something at altitude, say like at Tahoe? How is that going to affect things? Well, of course, the higher up you go, of course, the, the less air and uh, the colder actually is. So if you're not trained for that, you, and a lot of the people that we actually follow, like Rhea, et cetera, they all live mm-hmm. in Colorado. They live exactly. Colorado, they're used to being up there, and a lot of them move there to, to work on that. So they're used to doing that. So when they come down, let's say they come down to Atlanta, and I know what Rhea and et cetera did um, – you know, Atlanta, when you come down to that, the air is more rich, mm-hmm. more oxygen going to the, the bloodstream, et cetera, and uh, your body, you know, just basically soaks it up. But, of course, mm-hmm. if you're living in Florida and then you go up to Utah or you go to Colorado, and I've been, I've been following some people and it's been snowing on and off for the past few weeks, and then mm-hmm. the next day it's sunny. If you're not used to that, your body's going to have a shock. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, that's, I feel like one of the biggest things that we just need to get away from is like these, it's the quick back and forth. Yeah. It's like from one extreme to the other one. And then you go through, what was the term that, so I do a lot of Wim Hof training. You're familiar with it. We've discussed this before, but, um, the term that Jesse's used before is after drop. And it's like this sudden real quick boom that you get just walloped. Yeah, and what are you talking about? Like when you go from like hot to cold, and yeah, or like you slow yourself way down and it just hits you too hard. A really good example of something like that or getting hit with that. Um, If anyone had watched uh, American Grit back in the day, Mm -hmm. in the glory days of OCR with uh, Mm -hmm. Brooke Van Paris and our good buddy Hayes, Um, but that was like kind of what happened to Brooke there on that first episode, where she was Mm -hmm. doing burpees. And then she'd dip herself in ice cold water and then go do burpees yeah. again. Took her out. Yeah. And that you, suddenly you, you get up there. There's a rush of blood to your head. Boom, you're down. <laughs> so what do you suggest, Jens, as someone who, you know, is, is more, you know, not as acclimated to the cold stuff. And you're going into something like Arctic Enema or, you know, these dunk walls or. You know, is there anything you can do to prepare yourself, you know, physically before you go in there or signs to look out for when you get out of there? Yeah, good signs would be great. Definitely. If uh, if let's just say, uh, for example, in Chicago last year, it was 90 some degrees at that event. Okay. And there were people that were having heat stroke left and right. So, of course, when they got into Arctic Enema, they were basically playing all kind of games in there to see how long they can stay in there because it was so hot. The problem with that is all about blood pressure, all about um, different kind of temperatures. And when you jump into something cold, 
and jump out real quick and start running, you're like, oh, I feel really good. Then you feel tingly and then you're on the floor. <laughs> yes. So why why is it before we keep going with why is it that when How you do? <laughs> get out of arctic enema, it feels like your body's on fire? Or at least for me, like when I get out of arctic enema and I start running, like first it's cold and then all of a sudden it's like hot, hot, hot tingles, fire. Well, that's hypothermia right there. That's oh, not well. that. That's that's what's really really interesting. And um, I was actually maybe about six months ago I was watching this this uh, movie about the the hikers going up to Mount Everest. Okay. And, um, how a lot of them were saying the the people that survived they were saying. They got really, really warm, and they got so confused that they wanted to take their their clothing off because they're they were so cold. Their body interpreted it as hot because of all the nerve just firing. Hmm. So Interesting. Like, so when you're going through Arctic Enema, you have that drop to whatever that is, uh, 40, 30 some degrees, and then you stay in there for a little bit because it feels so great at you know when you're in Chicago or in Long Island, and then you jump mm-hmm. out, and start running. You get the heart rate up, and then everything just totally drops. The blood pressure drops, um, neuroscience and everything. Uh, you know, my fiance uh, Megan, who's a neuroscientist, can go through all of that, uh, all of that in depth and everything. But it's basically just everything contracts and then expands. And when that happens, the blood pressure is not high enough to basically keep you from hitting the floor. You basically just fall down, or you uh, you know, lose consciousness, consciousness, which is not good for us medics. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, now, See, there's that's... been several times when I've gotten out of there where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hot, hot, hot. And then it's like just trying to run it off and be like, okay, now I'm okay. But it takes a little bit. It does take a while. And that's one of the things we do in the Wim Hof class and stuff. When, when we get done with our, um, doing ice baths and stuff, cause I'll sit in an ice bath for, you know, two, three minutes. And, <laughs> but then you jump out and you're in horse stance and you start slowly recirculating all that blood back to your system. Yeah. And it's, I mean, because it takes a bit, but you don't want to do it just quick, specifically. You want to right. slowly get things moving back around because it takes a bit. You've got all this cold blood now right. flowing through your veins. So other than, you know, the tingles and feeling hot, what are some other signs of, you know, hypothermia or... You know, warning signs that someone needs to take a minute, slow down, and get themselves together for the medic has to come get them. Uh, so if if I'm on on site as a volunteer or a medic, um, and I've been to many different uh, you know locations on site, King Swingers and Arctic Anima, um, mm-hmm. Funky Monkey, etc. And um, I can just see, especially on Sunday Fun Day, when you just have the people out there that are out there at the bucket list and yeah. they're pushing out mm-hmm. 10 miles and they probably ran maybe twice that week. Um, right. I'm really watching these people and really seeing how they're reacting to the water or just like walking around. And um, one of the main things I'm looking for is just um, people that are looking confused, uh, people that are looking clammy. It's very warm, but they're not sweating. They're looking very white. Um, so I would definitely... Uh, and this is something good if you're running with um, a group group of people. If you look at someone and they look uh, a little uh, disoriented, a little tired, basically just start asking them easy questions. Like, how are you doing? Um, how old are you? Who's the president? 
just things like that that'll just okay stir are they actually totally there and if they start slurring right there immediately want you know throw up the x's uh for a tough mutter and uh you know get those medics there um if you're running by yourself if your head starts getting tingly if you can't feel your extremities whether it's warm or cold um you know definitely definitely put those arms up and, and try to get someone to you and i always tell you know as a ballet master in my classes i always tell my kids if it gets to a point that you are feeling dizzy, sit down immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately sit down. Because the first thing that, that I would see is, Mr. Jens, I don't feel, and then they hit their head on the ground. Mm. So I tell the kids all the time, because I, I condition them, uh, and uh, you know I give them insanity classes and everything. And uh, I always watch them if their face is nice and red when they're working out. But they can continue doing the exercise, it's great. Now, if they're clammy, I tell them immediately sit down. Good deal. So now you brought up ballet. I gotta ask. I mean, I don't know. So how has you know? I'm always interested in hearing everybody's backgrounds because you you know you you meet people in OCR and you know it's such a newer sport that nobody. I mean, well, I mean, maybe starting to now, but nobody's like, oh yeah, I've been doing OCR since I was 10 years old. You know, so it's everybody's always got different backgrounds you've got Jacob the pole vaulter there's been you know horse trainers and gymnastics people I've met and you know you've got your soccer players and your you know everybody else so it's always interesting to see how the different sports and different disciplines you know prepare someone for OCR so how do you think ballet has I mean we're talking ballet master we're not talking like you just picked up ballet like 10 years you know five years ago right Correct. You've been yeah, doing this for quite some time. Yeah, I've been a professional uh, ballet master and dancer for 18 years now. Okay, so how <laughs> has that helped you in this sport? Like, what kind of stuff have you drawn from that? Well, of course, flexibility uh, is the key to um, injury prevention. Now, I didn't just grow up as a dancer. I was I was a jock. I played varsity football and cross country and track while also was, you know, a saxophonist, you know, when you go to a small school, you, you do everything. Uh, yeah. To, into the dance world, injury prevention is everything, and you'll see all the elites, uh, and, you know, some of my friends that, you know, do this for fun, there's always Sunday roller day, or mm-hmm. when they're off, they'll be uh, stretching and taking yoga. Um, so it's all about injury prevention, and working on your flexibility, get the mobility down, so you can continue doing what you love to do and do it safely. So for me, flexibility, which is quite funny, um, I, I, I rock climb at this uh, rock climbing gym in Rockfield. It's called Earth Tracks, and mm-hmm. uh, they have a trade of belay system that you can basically just uh, belay with anyone that's there and just say, hey, I'm going to show up and uh let's belay oh that's nice yeah all these all these strangers always ask me after i say oh yeah i'm a ballet master and they're like oh i bet this really helps with climbing and in a sense it does um just because of mobility so yeah i would think so like reaching out tough reaches and the different grips that you can't normally reach to oh yeah well you know you were at missouri and i was in philly and being tired and trying to get over berlin walls or uh skid mark etc trying to get those legs up there is yeah for sure especially if you're doing a toughest overnight and you're on your 
I don't know, fourth, fifth or sixth lap and everything's all slushy. Of course, working with the grip and working on flexibility is, is something that's definitely, definitely good to have. Yeah, I definitely say as far as, you know, myself goes and as, as an athlete, flexibility, I, I was a cheerleader for 14 years. Nice. So, you know, the flexibility has for sure saved me in many situations because I'm so short on, Absolutely. you know, taller walls or things that I normally can't get to or reach to. I'm, you know, I'll be in splits on a, you know, reaching for the next ledge on something or, you yeah. know, whatever the case may be. So it's, it's definitely helped me for sure. Uh, Additionally, that, you, you definitely, as a cheerleader, as anything that's in the arts, you understand anatomy and your physiology. So right. you know what to work on, what to stretch, so you don't have an IT band problem or anything like that. Right, for sure. You know, it's like, it always makes me think about that flexibility and that ability. That means you can take a fall easier too. So I, I run back to, I did frontline last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're familiar with frontline, one of the big things in the, in the elite wave, and I, I ran a lap of the course because like, I'm not going to go to frontline, not run a lap there with the infamous weight vest. <laughs> so nice. they strap a, a 20 pound weight vest yeah. and you've got to go through an obstacle course. Guys with that, and, and girls, same weight. Yeah. It's, it's real different. It's, um, but I ran up to kind of like an inverted wall there, uh, one of the first obstacles, and I jump at it and c- try to catch it on my chest, and I bounce back because you've got this plated weight vest on you, Ooh. and you know what? It, but you're going uphill, so I, I tumble for a second. Jordan Mashibi looks at me, he's like, "You okay?" I'm like, "Yeah," but I first of all, I was lucky that I was flexible enough to be able to take a hit like that and recoil on the ground and be fine. But additionally, um. I just had to figure out, okay, I need to be flexible enough to find a new way to do this. Right. Um, Adapt on the fly like that. Yeah. Especially Um, when you have so much more weight on you. Oh, absolutely. Technique would be different, of course, without it. So trying to figure that out on the fly is definitely, you know, a positive thing. It's what you need. So let's let's go to another interesting place here, Jens. You've – how many – events would you say you've probably helped out with Tough Mudder, done some diving steps from a safety aspect? Oh, uh, going plus 12. Okay. Uh, last year, myself, I did over 10. Okay. What are some interesting stories that you've seen from the field? Oh, the... So, uh, <laughs> the, the infamous King of Swingers. I love King of Swingers. I, okay. Oh, I hated that obstacle. <laughs> I'm so... I've never done it, and I've always wanted to. I'm too short, and the bell was always too damn far, and there was times where I couldn't even reach the stupid trapeze bar. So, that's funny, because that's that's what the Meg says, uh, my fiance. She said she mm-hmm. King of Swingers, because it's just out of her reach. She's 5'2", also. It, it was just out of her reach. And she was so afraid that she was going to hit her head or hit her, her teeth on it. So. Oh, I jumped my heart out as hard, far as I could to the trapeze. And in all the times I've tried, I mean, I've done, I don't know, 13, 14 Tough Mudders yeah. um, and King of Swingers tons of times. I think I've only ever touched the trapeze one time. And I always told everybody and myself, I know if I can touch the trapeze, if I can get on the stupid bar, I'm confident I can hit the bell. But I couldn't even get on the bar. <laughs> Sorry, so, <get. laughs> so i was introduced to king of swingers in 2015 uh down in vegas two weeks before they did the world's toughest mutter okay and i came on in as uh, one of the rescue divers mm-hmm. and, uh 
didn't really know anything about it. They just gave me the, they briefed me on it and uh, told me what to do and everything. And we were out there all day. And uh, we were rotating, and I was at the, let's say I was at the, the bottom left part of King of Swingers, if you're looking at the swing as, um, as uh, like a bystander. Okay. okay. We, it, would, and it was so crazy. It was on a Saturday, and people were just going for it, going for it and everything. I remember we were about halfway through our, our shift, and I'm just bobbing in the water, bobbing and weeping, and... This guy looks down at me. He's like, I can't swim. His <laughs> to my left says, yeah, you better get him. He can't swim. Now, get off mind, the platform. Right. Now, keep in mind, he he got up there, and it's probably six miles in. It's very hot. And the guy's like in regular shorts, regular T-shirt, like cotton T-shirts and everything. Just a regular guy, you know, doing his thing, doing his bucket list. Weekend warrior. I'm yeah. in the water that is 15 feet deep, uh, and yeah, we're geez, in the water for, for a reason, and he looks right at me. He's like, you better get me. I'm like, if you can swim, get down, and then he just starts to go for it, and I immediately put my reg in, uh, my regulator, which goes in your mouth yeah. uh, for breathing, and the guy does the swing, and then he immediately falls. He probably gets five feet out from the swing. His grip's gone. He goes down. What's going through your mind at this moment? Oh, I immediately go into rescue diver mode. I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> I'm going to give him two seconds. If I don't see any bubbles, I'm going down. And that's that's what we're trained for. Right? Yeah. Extensive training. That's what I love about Patty, um, rescue diving and dive mastering. They put you in situations that this is nothing. Like, we get pumped for this. So you didn't get you know, freaked out or no. anything like that? I immediately get into, okay, one 1,000, two 1,000 crap i gotta go down and just when i'm about to go down i feel this guy grab my fin and like a little kitty cat going up your body he grabs every part of my body going up he gets the surface he goes like that i immediately grab him turn him around and i'm holding on to this grown man i'm like it's okay everything's gonna be all right bring him to your mommy over to the side oh my goodness Take him over to the side, and I'm like, you couldn't swim, huh? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you shouldn't have done that. Enjoy the rest <laughs> of your event. Right. Goodness. But it's – but see, like, here's the thing. Like, if – imagine it was colder, or imagine it was – or you weren't there. And it was at some of these smaller mom-and-pop races. Sometimes they don't have, like, yeah. multiple lifeguards there, and you're jumping into a lake or something. It would have been bad news. Yeah, it would be it's real always bad scary to go to a race, you know, when there's water involved and there's no lifeguards. You know, we've been to several, you know, my, my teammates and I, and we talk about it all the time um, where you go to races. And even though it's not seemingly a difficult obstacle, it's just a little creek crossing or it's a little, you know, whatever. I think people take for granted and, the, you know, the fact that everybody can swim. And, you know, it's surprising to me as an adult how many people truly don't know how to swim yet oh, yeah. get themselves into these situations where it's like, what were you, why would you think this was a good idea? Really good instance of this. I did terrain race earlier in March this year yeah. and they had a, they had a Creek crossing. Now people eventually started just going around the Creek and they found this log they were trying to tiptoe across. Oh wow. But, um, but it went up to your mid chest. It was March in Indiana. It was 30 degrees. It was 35 degrees and the water was cold. We broke the ice off at that morning and they had no one, no one out there. 
And they didn't put any kind of life vest on you like they do with a... Not a dang thing. Spartan's the only race I've ever been to, and I've done probably about 100 races at this point. Spartan's the only one I've ever done that provided a life jacket. Yep. You know, being the head lifeguard, I would say that's definitely a smart thing with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. have, Have the vests. How does it make you feel when you go to races and you see safety, like, issues? Like, it must drive you crazy. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> it, it's like um, – a, a funny quick story. It's like what my brother said. He's a, He plays the guitar, and he's like, I can't go to a concert and enjoy myself because I'm watching the guitarist the whole time. It's right. like that. Like, when I go to uh, – you know, I've ran terrain race in uh, Tucson and also uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. and going to these places now i just have an eye i have a teacher's eye a head lifeguard eye like okay this is not safe what's going on here you got to change this but then also trying to run my race it's, it's exactly crazy. i can't yeah. turn well it's awesome that you got involved with with everything with tough mutter and you know as, as a side note I'm, I'm wondering if there's people who are listening to this who are you know, maybe divers themselves or, you know, lifeguards on their, you know, summer jobs or whatever. If someone wants to get involved with Tough Mudder or another one of the races to be a medic, how does, is there a process for that? How does that work? Yeah. So, um, the, the company that Tough Mudder is in contract with is Event Medics. I think okay. it's medics.com. And, uh, you fill out an application, they get a hold of you, um, you, you upload all your files, whether you're a medic, EMT, first responder, nurse, doctor, etc., and then they just get a hold of you. And uh, depending on your demographic or how far you actually travel, they'll get a hold of you and say, "Hey, there's a savage race this Friday, Saturday. We need this kind of, um, you know, speciality, um, and uh, we'll we'll get in contact with you." And it's easy as that and i actually had a conversation with uh one of the head medics that was at um Philly's toughest and it's a really good really good system and i've i've been with the the, the medic side for going on four years now and i checked out you know how they work and i it's i'm quite impressed it's really really good and event medics is uh this is the first time they've been with tough Hunter. i know they're with uh savage also Spartan, and um, it's a good system. So, nice. so people are out there and looking to to get involved in this. I mean, I don't know Check firsthand, but I know that we're always short for volunteers, so I would imagine it's probably the same for medics. You well, know, okay. always looking for people to volunteer their time and, and work, so it'd be awesome was, for people to check it out. Yeah, what was really cool was that the, the president of Event Medics um, <clears throat> put out this, this email to to everyone that's uh you know signed up with event medics who was not signed up for philly they're like hey we'd love for you to come out we need volunteers we need workers we're gonna help you out with with your travel we're gonna help you out with accommodation if need be now is this gonna happen every time probably not but they were put in the initiative of we want this event to be safe we want you here we're gonna we're gonna help you that's awesome because I think we've That's all good. been to races where there's been short of, you know, short on volunteers. And it's one of those things that's, well, we're not going to cancel the race, so we'll just make do. And it's nice to hear that, you know, big companies are recognizing, hey, like that's just not acceptable. Whether we have to pay people or do something, like we, we've got to get these people in place. So 
that that's that's definitely reassuring. Yeah, we we definitely see a lack of volunteers here in the past two years, and it's I mean everybody wants to do it, but not necessarily wants to work it or help out or volunteer, right. especially on bad weather days. Exactly. But for sure, more the more people you get out there, the better, and it's right. just going to be safer at that point. Yeah, um, it's just more eyes on the events is mm-hmm. exactly for sure. Well, so we if, are coming wait, up on. Oh, go ahead. Well, I've got another one. One more. Oh, you go right for it. Oh, he's got one more. So one you more, one more. On. So if you were to say like, okay, basic, um, what would be the best advice that you could give somebody out there going into one of these races that might not be ready for it? Um, like, like you said, the guy out there jumping off and I don't know how to swim. <laughs> what advice would you give? Like, obviously like know your limits. Um, that would be what I'd probably tell people. Like, don't don't try and do something and play superhero and go way beyond. But what what advice would you give somebody um, first time trying one of these insane endurance events? Pace yourself. Definitely have nutrition on you. I'm all about the the vests now. Mm-hmm. I have the same vest as you do. The Ultimate Direction, the OCR. I wore that at Philly's toughest, and that thing good vest. When when the sun came up and I still had my wetsuit on and I was getting really hot, it really saved me. So, you know, know your limits. Know how you're going to react to, to the weather. Be be obsessed with the weather. Everybody at Philly and in Atlanta was obsessed with the weather. So be what's going on and prep yourself. Don't just show up and think, okay, it's 80 degrees. I'm just going to wear shorts and just go at it. As a runner, they say you want to run like it's 20 degrees hotter. Yep. So you just want to be prepped for that. So, And if you don't feel comfortable out in, in the field, call a medic. There's been many times that people have been four miles in. And they're like, you have to take me in. This is too hard for me. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do that than show up to someone that's in uh, having heat stroke or having some kind of ailment. Well, and, and to, that, to that regard, you know, find a medic. You know, I think some people are also really concerned over, I don't want to go to a medic and I don't want to draw attention to myself because I don't want to quit. I don't want them to pull me off the course. And I think people have in their minds that just because this you talk to a medic, right, that just because you talk to a medic, it means you're out. But that's not the case, right? No, 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 no. When you're going for, when you're doing like an event like Philly Stuff is, they right. do tell you that if you're in the, the medical tent for over 30 minutes, then you're disqualified. But if it's a regular race and you're out there doing a Sunday fun day, there's been many times that I've brought someone into the medical tent and I hear that from the nurse and doctor, they're like, whenever you're ready to go back to the um, out onto course, we'll take you back where you were and allow you to finish. That's and awesome. There's been That's people that, um, yeah, so you're allowed to go back out. You paid to do the event and you want they want you to finish. they don't want you to leave in an ambulance they want you to finish they want you to have a great experience so if if you feel a lot better after an hour two hours on a regular event and you want to go back out they're not going to hold you back now of course if you're not in good shape they're not going to allow you right right but i mean i think that's that's encouraging for people to hear and you know it doesn't have to be this you know, superhero, I'm bleeding, I don't want to stop, I don't, you know, whatever the case may be, like, if you need help, get help. <laughs> That's Absolutely. why we're there. That's why we're there. For sure. Absolutely. We had recently just, um, so, 
I had a lot of people reach out to me for what happened with my DNF here a few weeks ago here at my, my local race here, the, the dances with dirt. And the fact was it was the first really hot day that we had here in Indiana and trying to get acclimated to it. And one of our guys got off course over six miles, I would say probably. Um, So he ended up almost in the Hoosier national forest instead of Brown County state park. But what he thought was going to be a four mile run. And he's, he's a quick runner. He's like, we're talking like 18 minute five K here on road. So Yeah. yeah, he's quick guy. So like four miles, you know, on trail, it should take him, you know, 35, 40 minutes. And, all of a sudden, we're sitting there over an hour, and you know, an hour, an hour ten goes by, an hour fifteen, and I'm trying to get a hold of the race directors, and it was just so so sketchy. They weren't communicating very well at all on their end. But I was like, things are bad. He does not have water. Yeah, and he could be off course. And it's instances like that. I'm just like, you're you're absolutely right. That vest might have saved his life at some point if something god forbid something bad happens but it's such a good thing to have water out there especially when you're going into instances where you might not know the course exactly yeah, yeah. definitely have some kind of um salt supplement whether it's uh you know the tabs or something like that um especially in a hot day like that yeah, yeah. absolutely so leah i think you're i think we're about wrapping up here yeah. Yeah. Do you have any any shout outs or anyone you want to recognize, Jens? Um, just out, out uh, of course, to my fiance Megan uh, <laughs> for dealing with all my crap. <laughs> uh, but then also, all uh, you know, as a tough mutter ambassador, I'm going to throw that out there uh, for any newbies that are wanting to do a tough mutter classic or a 5K. Use the code brand. You spell that B R A N D three one zero seven. Thirty percent off your first. Uh, 5k or classic classic awesome, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so great to have you, you what's your next race tough... what's your next race me yeah, uh, yeah my next one uh is actually gonna be next saturday it's gonna be the baltimore 10 miler nice oh, yeah nice sorry to break you off there leah <laughs> oh you're fine you're fine no problem but you jacob when's your next one uh, so I've got next weekend off. There's actually a 15K here down in Brown County. I might go and just run. I don't know yet. I haven't decided. Um, but then after that, I'm really prepping everything right now for the Ohio Ultra. Uh, the first Ultra there in Ohio. I'm going to throw yeah. down and I'm ready to go. How about Fantastic. you? Fantastic. Um, I've got I had two races this weekend, so I'm off next weekend. Oh, no, well, no, I take that back. I'm thinking about adding a last minute. There's a Muddy Princess race. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Yes. Muddy Princess something. I don't know. For my, my daughter loves to do OCR. She is uh, 12 right now, getting ready to turn 13. So anytime I can find a full-length course that will let her go, um, I'm all about it. So her and I may do that next weekend. And then the weekend after that, I've got the fourth race um, in a local trail series that I've been doing. So the last nice. one. So, yeah, it'll be nice, nice, nice. I better see some well, tutus. Do what? I better see some tutus. Uh, hey, I ran in one today, as a matter of fact. I normally run in my kilts, but uh, today yeah. for my today uh, Memorial Day run, I did a uh, red, white, and blue tutu because my kilt just didn't quite match the ensemble. I, I still need <laughs> to get a kilt here for um, 
we're getting I got some emails. Yeah, Highlanders coming up here for us here, and I'm going to be doing that in September and helping yeah. out and announce. But they said I got to get a kilt. Anyone looking for kilt? One of my sponsors is Sport Kilt. Um, <laughs> cannot recommend them enough. Unfortunately, I don't have any uh, discount codes for them. They keep their prices pretty low. I might have to go um, check out Sport Kilt. They don't typically offer discounts on top of it, but their quality is fantastic. I've had the same kilt through three world's toughest some oh, ultra events i mean if they hold up they wash clean they're great so sportkilt.com if you're looking for that anyway i think that's going to bring us to the end of the episode i um, think once again so. thank you to all of our people uh, if you want to leave, leave a comment um you know down below send us a message anything you want to see on the show or anything that you want to talk about um i was really excited to have the safety episode and just talk about yeah. some of the, the guidelines and that any kind and, of topics you guys want to hear about or any um roundtable guests you would be interested in hearing from message us message us leave a review subscribe to the podcast and and of course we'll... big thanks to jens for this episode absolutely thank <laughs> yeah. you so much for joining us we appreciate it until next week i'm jacob bosecker um leah hensley have a great week guys this has been the Bro CR Supercast, powered by Bro CR Media. We always love reviews. Oh, and shout outs too. Want to be on the review? Drop us a line. We know there are other obstacle course racing podcasts out there, but you choose to laugh with us for a while. So, thanks. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye